0: Thanks to Jamie for reading those scriptures just now. Uh, Dusty mentioned to you that today is Pentecost Sunday. Of course, Pentecost came 50 days after Passover. You remember Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was then buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day. He was then on the earth for 40 days giving evidence to his being alive. And then... Just a few days later, about a week later, came Pentecost. Now, to the Jews, Pentecost was a major holiday. It it was one in which they celebrated the wheat harvest. Now, for you and I, that doesn't mean anything, but Pentecost does have a very special meaning for us in that it was on Pentecost that the church was born. Thus, Pentecost is the birthday of the Lord's Church. Uh, one of our folks, Brian Casky, who's going to give a testimony later in the service, asked me a while back if we ever celebrated Pentecost. And I kind of looked at him and I said, well, no, I, I don't guess we do. I, I don't think we ever have. And he, he asked me why, and I really didn't have a very good answer for him. And so today, with Brian's encouragement, we're celebrating Pentecost. We thought about a birthday cake with candles, but that would be way too many candles. Uh, We thought about those birthday cone hats and the whistles that blow out. And I said, no way are we going to do that. They'll be blowing those whistles during my sermon. And I, I can't let that happen. But we want to just... Be mindful that today is Pentecost Sunday because this is the day that the Lord's church was born. Uh, Not only are we remembering the fact that 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus on this day, it was a very special beginning of the Lord's church, but what also made it very special was the coming of the Holy Spirit. It was indeed a glorious beginning of the Lord's Church. Could I take you back for just a moment and simply remind you of the Spirit's work in people's lives prior to Pentecost? The Spirit did not come to everybody. He came to a select few to empower those people to do God's work or to speak God's message with some it seems the spirit would come and he would help them with a special task and once the task was over with then he would leave he would not dwell he would not stay or abide in that person 24 7 and certainly he did not come and dwell in every person who was a believer in God. Let me give to you some examples. Samson, for instance, Judges chapter 14, verse 6. It says the spirit came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Now, there we have a case where the spirit came to help Samson with a special task. And once the task was finished, the spirit departed from him. And then we see the Spirit come again. Chapter 15 of Judges. The Philistines are at odds... With Samson, and rightfully so. You can understand why they didn't like Samson. Maybe you recall he had taken 300 foxes and tied their tails together and set them on fire, and those foxes then ran through the Philistines' wheat fields, and all of their crops burned to ashes. And so the Philistines were out for revenge against Samson, they came after him. And Samson's people really didn't want to to do war with the with the Philistines. And so they grab Samson, they say to him, we, we 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 are not gonna fight the Philistines over you. We're gonna have to give you to them and Samson agreed. He said, "Okay, tie my hands with ropes and deliver me to them." And they did. And when the the Philistines grabbed hold of him, the scripture says, verse 14 of that chapter, that the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson, and he snapped those ropes like they were threads. And then he took the jawbone of a donkey that he found laying on the ground and he he killed 1,000 Philistine soldiers with that jawbone. The Spirit of God enabled Samson to do that which he could not have done on his own. The same was true with Gideon. Judges chapter 6 verse 34 says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and enabled him to lead an army of 300 men against the Midianite army that was said to be as numerous as the locusts and their camels were just beyond number. And Gideon's army had a strange way of fighting. They didn't have spears, they didn't have Bows and arrows. They did not have swords. Instead, they had torches and they had uh, trumpets and they had clay pitchers, water pitchers. And they, when the word was given to them, they raised their torches up and they smashed their pitchers and they blew on their trumpets and they cried out a battle cry for the Lord and it threw the Midianite army into such confusion that they began to kill one another. They were totally in chaos and before the day was over, 120,000 Midianite soldiers lay dead on the battlefield. And Gideon's army was credited with the victory. You see, when the Holy Spirit is involved, amazing things happen. That was the story of the Holy Spirit prior to Pentecost. But it it wasn't like the Spirit just came when it was battle time. No, He showed up to help. God's people in various ways. Exodus chapter 31, there was a fellow named Bezalel whom the Lord chose to fill up with his spirit so that he might do all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and the carving of wood. That's judges or that's Exodus chapter 31 verses 3 to 5. What was all of this for? It was for the making of the tabernacle. The Spirit enabled this fella to have an amazing skill with his hands. And then there was David. King David, a man after God's own heart. You recall... Saul was not a very good king. He had rebelled over and over again against God's authority. He had totally disappointed God to a point that God was sorry that he had made Saul king. And so Saul... uh, uh, God sends Samuel to David, to Jesse's house, to anoint a new king over Israel. And of course that new king was going to be David. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says... Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Take note of those last few words. From that day forward. It seems to me that with David things were different than what we have seen with the judges. With the judges, it seems that the Spirit of God has come to them when a special task is needed to be done. And the Spirit empowers them and helps them to perform that special task. And then the Spirit departs from them. But with David, it says that the Spirit was given to him from that day forward. And maybe that's why David could write in Psalms 139, verses 7 to 10, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And of course the prophets... The prophets had a special filling of God's Spirit. You see, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and His role in people's lives prior to Pentecost. The prophets had a special filling of God's Spirit. Micah speaks of that that fact. Chapter 3 of his book, verse 8, he says, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and courage to make known to Jacob His rebellious acts, even to Israel His sin." See, all of the prophets had God's Spirit's filling. And of course, we know that the Spirit led them as they wrote down the Holy Scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So the pages that we have, Of God in the Old Testament. Written down by the prophets. It really was not their word. It was God's word prompted through those prophets by the Holy Spirit. And that is just a brief look of the Holy Spirit prior to Pentecost. Now I want to read to you a piece That was written by John Piper that I think is really good. It's helpful in delivering the message that I want you to get today. Would you give me your ear? Let me quote to you from John Piper. He says, now let me suggest an analogy to illustrate the experience of the Spirit before and after Pentecost. Picture a huge dam for hydroelectric power under construction like the Aswan High Dam on the Nile 375 feet high and 11,000 feet across. President uh, Egypt's President Nasser announced the plan for construction in 1953. The dam was completed in 1970, and in 1971, there was a grand dedication ceremony, and the 12 turbines, with their 10 billion kilowatt hour capacity, were released, or were unleashed with enough power to light every city in Egypt. During the long period of construction, the Nile River wasn't completely stopped. Even as the reservoir was filling, part of the river was allowed to flow past. The country folk downstream depended on it. They drank it, they washed in it, it watered their crops and turned their mill wheels. They sailed on it in the moonlight and wrote songs about it. It was their life. But on the day when the reservoir poured through the turbines, a power was unleashed that spread far beyond the few folk downriver and brought possibilities they had only dreamed of. He says, well, Pentecost is like the dedicatory opening of the Aswan High Dam. Before Pentecost, the river of God's Spirit blessed the people of Israel and was their very life. But after Pentecost, the power of the Spirit spread out to light the whole world. None of the benefits enjoyed in the pre-Pentecostal days were taken away, but 10 billion kilowatts were added to enable the church to take the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ to every tongue and tribe and nation. So here's my answer to why the experience of the Old Testament saints is valuable for us today. If these saints experienced privileges and powers in the Holy Spirit before the dam was opened, how much more should we in these billion kilowatt days experience these things or more? Unquote. You hear what he's saying? I mean, the Holy Spirit was available... To God's people prior to Pentecost. To help them do a particular task. And when the Holy Spirit was involved. Amazing things happened. Things beyond our imagination. The power was indescribable. The presence of God was just (laughs) beyond imagination. But once the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost and made available for every believer that kind of power was made available to every single person who believes in Jesus Christ and has submitted their life to him You see, Pentecost began a new era in which the Holy Spirit was no longer limited to just a few, but rather the Holy Spirit was poured out upon everyone who believed. First, the Apostles. On the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. And they were able to speak the Word of God with great boldness and with clarity. They spoke in languages that people from all over the world were able to understand. It was languages which they had not studied themselves. They had not gone to language school. No, the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak a language that would communicate the gospel message to every person in the world so that they could receive that message and then take it home with them. It was a miraculous thing in that God was wanting the message of Jesus Christ to be out in a hurry. And people heard the truth about Jesus on Pentecost. They heard that He was the Son of God. They heard that this message of redemption had been in place since before time had begun. This was the plan of God. That He could save all of mankind through His Son. And that Son, they killed Him on Passover day. They killed offered him up as as a as a victim but he really was a sacrifice all the fulfill all the prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus Christ they killed the son of god and yet jesus was raised from the dead on the third day that was the message that the that the uh, apostles preached on pentecost Acts chapter 2, verse 24, they said, God raised him up. In verses 37 and 38 of Acts 2 says, the people heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? This message that the Holy Spirit had empowered them with on Pentecost, it went straight to the depths of their being. And they are cut like a knife. And they are convicted. And they're saying, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that Jesus promised from John 14 through 16. He said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to give to you a counselor. I'm going to give to you a helper. I'm going to give to you a comforter. He will be just like me. And He will dwell in you. And the Spirit did come. 3,000 people responded to the message and were baptized. It truly was a great beginning to the Lord's church. And then what's amazing here, brothers and sisters, is those 3,000 people were filled up with the Holy Spirit. No wonder the early church grew like, wow. 3,000 Spirit-filled believers who were now empowered with the same Spirit that gave power to Gideon and Samson. This is the same Spirit that filled David up and all of the prophets of old. This is the same Spirit who filled up Peter on the day of Pentecost and the other apostles too. And now this same Spirit is made available to those who would say yes to Jesus. And He was empowering them to do His work. And I want you to know this this does not stop at Pentecost same Spirit is made available for every person who believes. You see, uh, Jamie read in chapter 6 of Acts, which is really where we're at in our series of sermons through the book of Acts, because there was a man named Stephen, who was full of the Holy Spirit, it says. And he was full of faith, and he was full of God's grace, and he had such wisdom that the people whom he was preaching to, they could not... They could not keep up with his wisdom. They wanted to argue against him, but he had more wisdom than what they could keep up with. And Stephen preached such a powerful sermon on that day. And his message was convicting. I would encourage you to read chapter 7 of Acts this next week. We're going to spend some time there next Sunday and looking particularly at Stephen's sermon. But you know the outcome... They killed Stephen. And so what is the message for you and me today? 2,000 years past Pentecost. The message is simply this. The Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit with the same power. He is able to fill us and use us beyond our imagination if we are willing to surrender ourselves fully to Him. Now, don't neglect to see the last part of that which is on the screen. We have to be willing to surrender ourselves to God. If we're filled up with self, then there's no room for the Holy Spirit. But if we are willing to surrender ourselves to God and to empty ourselves of self, then there is room for the Holy Spirit to come and He can fill us to overflowing and then we can do the works to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. That work is not just for the apostles. That work is not just for the super saints like Stephen. No, that works for you and me today. If we're willing to surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ. Let me give to you one final quote from John Piper. Even before the dam was completed and the reservoir was officially unleashed on the day of Pentecost, the Old Testament saints downstream enjoyed stupendous benefits from the river of God's Spirit. If they experienced so much of God's Spirit, which was but a trickle of the reservoir, how much more should we enjoy under the dozen turbines of Pentecost? band's going to come back and they're going to play some songs, a couple of songs. And during these next couple of songs, we're going to have our time of worship through communion. We would like for you to just get up from your seat and go to one of the stations around the auditorium. There are several stations, one near you. You go and you partake of communion during the singing. And during that communion time, I want you to remember what Jesus has done for you. And thank Him for His wonderful grace to you. But also, I want you to take some time to think about the fact that the Holy Spirit is available for you today. Would you empty yourself of self? And would you ask
1: God to fill you, to overflow with His Holy Spirit? My name is Brian Kasky. I am not from around these parts. I am here kind of as a mercenary for Bob Beckham. Martha and I chose this church, this church house, because... Some of the other ones couldn't answer the same questions that Kevin did. The speaker on Pentecost, Peter, wrote you a letter. You don't expect me to stand by. this, right? Okay. <laughs> he wrote the letter. Know about you, but as far as where I'm I'm from Chicago, so Kansas is scattered. (laughs) And he gave you a task, and he said that you must be ready to answer anyone when they ask you what is the reason for the hope that is within you. Now, if you don't have a hope this morning, guess what? You're in the right spot. Here a little later. <clears throat> they can give you hope. I received my hope in 1966. Yes, I'm 57 years old. Place called Marble Hill, Missouri. And I love the church. And that's the question that Kevin asked me. Why do I love the church? I love the church because God is a builder. I'm a builder. John 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 2, all talk about the building that we get to do together. Each man should take heed how he builds. I love to break bread. I love that that, Simple ceremony, that simple celebration, stretches all the way back to right after the children of Israel got out of Egypt, and yet stretches all the way forward in Scripture to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Back forward, echo, back and forth. Scripture's full of that. I love that. I love that we get to participate. And go to a church house that does that every week. Acts chapter 2, 42. What's the four things that they continued in regularly? One of them was breaking of bread. I love that I get to be a soldier of the cross. That I get to wear armor. Not made by me. Issued to me. It takes a lifetime to learn to use it. I see grizzled warriors amongst us. There's power in that. For the power in the Holy Spirit comes from where? Quote me the scripture, come on. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You do not have to have arms of a 15-year-old to wield this book. Or to carry your shield. That's the Spirit's job. When you're 70, you're stronger than when you were 30. Trust me, I'm 57. I am not stronger than when I was 30. I am significantly weaker than when I was 30. We get to wear the armor. And do you think for 20 seconds you can learn to use this out there? Where are these... these? chairs Church, filled. Think you're going to learn to use that out there? I am an outsider. I'm a mercenary. Hired gun. You guys know all about that. This is Kansas. <laughs> I'm only here for a short period of time. Things go right September of 2017. I'm leaving you. I'm going where the boss sends me next. I see it. This town is under attack. I'm in your high school hallways regularly. I'm in your grade school. You've seen me in the paper. I am not photogenic. (laughs) This town's under attack. The hope was born in the Middle East. The hope was sacrificed 1983 years ago-ish. That's the hope. And we have the hope. Be willing to give a reason for the hope that's within you. You don't have a hope. Get some hope. Right here in a few minutes. There's people here who can help you. Get hope. You don't got salvation on your head? Helmet of salvation? here hear some of you now. Leaning over to your neighbor. He's not wearing a helmet. Really? I can see Kevin's helmet. Can you? I see Bob Beckham's helmet every week. Connie Billion's helmet. Mark Baher. Brad Cowan. I see their helmet. Pretty shiny too. You ain't got a helmet? Get yourself a helmet. You don't know how to use this? Read this. The Holy Spirit will reveal this to you. There's no magic. It's time spent with Jesus. Peter was able to be used on, the, on Pentecost because he was united with Christ. He goofed up and was back in the fold. And he wrote you a letter. Get with the program. Be a workman who does not need to be ashamed. You know the blueprint. I love the church because when I walk in that door every day, every Sunday, Reminds me, I made a commitment. I wear it on my middle ring because it's been my middle finger, it's been caught off the left when I broke my hands too many times. Forgive me for that. That reminds me who's the boss. And I'm to love her as Christ loved the church. What a better place to be reminded of that than actually in Say it with me. church. Marriages break up out there. Guess what? They ain't in here. They can't do this. I love that we're here and we're celebrating Pentecost. Yeah, I asked Kevin. He said it right here. Second sermon, third sermon I ever heard. He said he wanted to be a Pentecost type preacher. First sermon I ever heard here was a young man leaving you said you can trust God's people. That's why Martha and I are here. That young man's sermon. And he said he wanted to be a Pentecost-type preacher. I said, okay, guess what, Martha? I'm going to go convict him. But let's celebrate Pentecost. Let's celebrate the start. Let's celebrate that we get to be a part. And if you can't answer for the hope, get yourself an answer. If you don't have hope, get one. You don't got a helmet, we'll issue. We'll get you one. You don't know how to use that book, we'll teach you. I'm here for 15 months, I'll help. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for this place. Continue to bless them. Keep them safe. Let them reclaim this town. Let them, like Jerusalem, show the power of the Holy Spirit. In your son's name.